Welcome, and um, welcome to the you, you who are watching online as well as you are here in person. Uh, it's been a long time since I uh, taught on Colossians, and we are um, we're going to go back to Colossians today. We would have done it last week, but I caught that flu bug. It was running 102 fever, and I thought that's something I didn't quite want to share with anybody. Uh, we're supposed to, you know, share with one another, but I don't think you wanted that. So I uh, stayed home and recovered and thankful. You get those things, you feel so bad, you wonder whether you'll ever get well. And uh, so I was sick on the 4th, and uh, your handout, you should have like a, a purplish, light purple handout. And uh, it, it may have the 4th on it, but that's still good. It, it should be... Uh, may be marked out and the 11th written on there. So <clears throat> we're in Colossians 3. If you want to turn to Colossians 3, we'll be reading from it in just a minute. Um, and we've got some people that are going to read for us. Um, and on your handout, I'm going to be reviewing because it was uh, November uh, the last time we met, somewhere around the 17th or so, uh, right right before Thanksgiving. And uh, so we'll review uh, Roman numeral 1, ABC, and then we'll go into the new. And uh, we'll focus on Colossians 3.12. So if you're at home or here, turn to Colossians 3 and we'll be reading together. Uh, and before we start, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to look at Colossians again. It seems like such a long time, but um, today and yesterday and the, this past two weeks, I've really been blessed by this chapter that you had Paul write to the Colossians and us about um, what we are to be doing now as a result of the doctrine that he taught in chapters 1 and 2 and the duty that we have and our conduct, what our conduct should be now as a result of being risen with Christ. We thank you for these wonderful, encouraging truths. Pray, Father, that you would bring them home to our heart today as we look at them. I pray that you'd be with all those that are at home, those that are sick and ill or couldn't attend for health or mobility. Pray, Father, your blessing upon them. Each family represented here today, we pray that you'd be with each one and bless our time together and fellowship around your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Colossians... Um, starting with chapter uh, three, and we're, I want to want us to read verses one through seventeen. And Esther has verses one through four, and this kind of is the foundational part of what we're what we're looking at. So let's focus as you read. Go ahead, Esther. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Okay, so that's kind of the introduction 
that MacArthur called it the call to true spirituality. I like that. And so now we're going to read verses 5 through 11. Cindy's going to read those. And that's what we looked at last, deaden the old. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walk sometimes when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. I love that. Christ is all and in all. Okay, so verses 12 through 17, Steve. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection, or per- perfectness, rather, pardon. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing the grace in your heart to the Lord. And uh, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and to the Father by Him. There's a lot there. There's a lot in that passage. And I wanted, I wanted to, since we have not, we've been talking about Proverbs for uh, three weeks or so, I wanted us to go back, it's been three months or so since we looked at Colossians and get a get the flavor of what we've been talking about and then look at what we will talk about today and what we will talk about in future weeks. So if you have your handout, look at page one and this is a section called Develop the New in Colossians 3, 12 through 17 with a larger passage from chapter 3 verse 5 through Colossians 4 6 so we'll be in this for quite a while and reviewing um, and I'm going to read right from the handout and you at home if you want a handout give Cindy a call uh, or an email and and she'll be glad to send you one Uh, I do that so that if you're at home and you didn't understand what was said 90% of what I say is on the handout so you can go back and review it as well. Okay. And uh, uh, I also wanted to pause. I wanted to say thanks to Steve for teaching on short notice last week. I appreciate that very much. And I also enjoy hearing your teaching uh, from home. And uh, thanks so much for your good words. And uh, John has done that also and uh, taught for me when I wasn't here for uh 
either time off or sickness, and I appreciate those that have substituted. Thank you so much. And uh, so let's look at this review. In Colossians 3, Paul shifts to a practical uh, emphasis, and he's going to do that in 3 and 4, and he examines the expression or application of the true doctrine in the Christian life. The true doctrine is taught in chapters 1 and 2. So he encourages us and he exhorts the Christian to live out their relationship with Christ in their daily lives. So as a result of what he's taught, that we are in Christ, in chapters 1 and 2, now he is wanting us to live that out, to express that, to show live out our life, our Christian life. Now he turns to the outward expression and de demonstration of that inward relationship with Christ. So Paul in chapter 3 now examines those outward evidences of those actions and activities that result from that inward relationship. Paul has said, you are dead with Christ. What does that mean? How should we live that out? And that's what he's going to talk about. And he said, you're risen with Christ and you have a vital union with him. And now uh, Paul emphasizes in verses 1 through 4 that we are risen with Christ and that we have a vital union with Christ and Christ provides the power and enabling for our holy living. So he's talking about sanctification. Sanctification is that term that given those that study theology for us being set apart for God's use. That's becoming, we're saved and now we're being sanctified. When we're saved, we're forgiven from our sins. When we're sanctified, we're being increasingly conformed to the image of Christ and becoming like Him. Um, so now we're, the three, I love this quote, these three verses, the last, last sentence of the paragraph here, these four verses then point to the believer's union with Christ as the root or basic principle of the whole Christian life. It is the point of departure and the source of power for all we do. Curtis Vaughn, uh, a New Testament theological uh, professor. And... MacArthur calls it a call to true spirituality. I like that. And paragraph A, Paul emphasizes the following since they've been raised or co-resurrected, raised together with Christ. Number one, and Esther read these, seek heavenly things where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Verse one. Verse two, set your affection or minds on heavenly things. Things above, not earthly things. And number three, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Verse 3. Verse 4. You also shall appear and be revealed with him in glory for, with Christ who is our life. 3 and 4 are the reasons that we should do 1 and 2. And we should be seeking heavenly things where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Okay. Paul, paragraph B, after declaring this fundamental and controlling principle of our union with Christ and the new risen life, describes in this section we're in, chapter 3, verse 5 to chapter 4, verse 6, the living out of this truth. 
in practical ways how we should live as a result of being risen with Christ, being dead to sin. Uh, and in short, another quote, the apostle teaches that the Christian's experience calls not simply for regulating the earthbound life, but for digging out its roots and utterly destroying it. Those things, those earthly things, the things that are that are sinful, the things that are related to earth as opposed to the heavenly things. And he goes on to say, in this way, the new life in Christ will have free course and will attain full dominion. The underlying thought is, let the life that is in you by virtue of your union with Christ work itself out and express itself in every thought, deed, and relationship. Uh, Curtis Vaughn again. So, paragraph C is the outline that we've been following. Now, I took it and alliterated it. Dead in the old is uh, where verse 5 where it says, mortify your members, you know, kill the old. I've said dead in the old, so we start with a D, and that's verses 5 through 11. And then develop the new, that's what we're on today, verses 12 through 17, and we'll be there for a bit. And that's uh, put on the new man. That starts with verse 12. And it goes through 17. And desire Christ-like relationships, or chapter 3, verse 18, through four, chapter 4, 1. And devote ourselves to Christian duty, chapter 4, 2 through 6. So I like to kind of know where you are in the outline so I don't get lost. And uh, so that's where we're at. We're in develop the new. Now, if you see Roman numeral 2, develop the new. I'm not going to go back and review dead and the old. So before we start, I want you to remember this question. Okay? Are you ready? It's not written in the handout. If you want to write it, that's fine. The question is simple. It's three words. What? Four words. What are you wearing? Okay? Now, don't look down. I'm not talking about these clothes. I'm talking about the garments we're to put on. What are you wearing? I'm talking not about the physical, I'm talking about the metaphorically, the same way Paul used it speaking. So I'm going to remind you of that as we go along. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Okay. So in this section of Develop the New, there are four sections. Uh, the internal qualities and expressions of love, 12 through 14. That's where we're at. We'll probably just do 12 today. And let's turn the page. Uh, there's an inner rule of peace, indwelling of God's word, and in the name of Christ. Okay, let's look at top of page 2. Put on. Paul says in verse 12, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. So that's put on the new. These are under develop the new. And it's under internal qualities and expressions of love. So in verse 12, the believer has put on the new man in verse 10. And it reads, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after image, after the image of him that created him. And that new man is our regenerate nature. The new man, the new nature. Uh, the Colossians and us have died with Christ to the old life. Colossians 2.20, I'll read to you in 3.3. 3. Colossians 2.20 says, Wherefore, if ye be dead 
with Christ from the rudiments or elements of the world. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? There the context is, why are you going back to the old things when you're dead to those things? And so we're dead with Christ to the old things and the elements of the world. And Colossians 3.3 says, For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's one of the verses that we just read and Esther read to us at the very, the, the very beginning, that uh, call to spirituality, the call to true spirituality as MacArthur called it. So when they were saved, they died to the old life. They were to mortify, to kill, to make dead and wipe these earthly things out. These, they're to destroy them utterly. Destroy their members which are upon the earth. That's not talking about our arms and legs. It's talking about those things that produce sins. And they're to put, let's see, those members are instruments which are instruments in producing the sins listed in verse 5 and 8. You remember those? Mortify those things. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, which means desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And then also in verse 9, but now put ye, now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And um, so we are, they were to put off and we're to put off the old man and his deeds. And the imagery here is of stripping off garments which are fitting, uh, which are not fitting for the new man. And uh, we're to uh, clothe ourselves with the garments that are fitting for the new man and the new believer. So put off and now we have put on. And they're to put on these garments with there's an urgency there in the in the original Greek. Do it now. It's an important priority. And these garments are the qualities that are that we that we're going to be see listed in 12b. You see, he says, put on the therefore uh, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering. So we're if we take something off. You need to put something back on. And let's look at uh, paragraph C there. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved. Verse 12 reminds the Colossians and us who they are. Who are they? There's three descriptions there. Elect of God or chosen of God, holy, that's sanctified and set apart, and beloved, loved of God. These two descriptions are the are descriptions used of Israel in uh, Deuteronomy seven six, <clears throat> which reads, "For thou art holy, and holy people unto the Lord." So there's holy. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. That's an elect. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more number than any other people, for ye were the fewest of all people. So you have holy, chosen or elect, and love, beloved. So God described in the Old Testament Israel that way. And these terms emphasize the favored position, reading from the handout, now enjoyed by the Colossian Christians. 
They are the heirs of Israel's spiritual privileges. That's a quote from Vaughn. And Paul is saying these descriptions should motivate us to obey the command to put on or wear the five spiritual qualities listed in the second half of verse 12. And also uh, the qualities that are described in verse 13 and 14. So the passage starts, uh, put on therefore. So that therefore means so as a result of and because as God's elect, you're God's chosen people as Israel was, you're holy and set apart for uh, and consecrated to God as Israel was, and you're beloved, having been loved, calls to mind that, that we're dear ones to God as Israel was. We love him because he first loved us. And I have a quote from you that uh, therefore is a small little word that, it's a, uh, I can't pronounce it, it's O-U-N, it's a Greek preposition that can be translated therefore, wherefore, then, or so. So I would say I'm a retired military veteran. So I still like to hear about the military. You know, there's a logic there. So, because you're one thing, therefore, or then, or wherefore. So, we're God's elect, we're holy, we're beloved. So, we should be obeying the, Paul's, uh, the Lord's command through Paul that we put on these qualities. Anyway, uh, going back to this quote, uh, Paul is basing the following exhortation that we are chosen upon the fact that we are chosen, holy, and beloved. Like father, like son, children should manifest a family resemblance. Therefore, based on your new position in Christ, chosen, holy, beloved, let this truth transform your thinking and motivate your talking and walking. Uh, that's Bruce Hurt. I like that. Um, these terms going back to the handout right under one, two, three, these terms directly are used of Israel in the Old Testament. Now they describe New Testament believers as heirs of Israel's spiritual seed and privileges. Now, we're not teaching that we are the new Israel. Christians are not the new Israel. Two separate divisions. We have the Old Testament the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And while the, uh, Christ is reflected in the Old Testament, it's not the same. Uh, the Old Testament had a whole set of uh, things that they followed by faith and righteousness was given to them. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. A lot of the, in, in Hebrews 11, the, the Hall of Fame of Faith, a lot of Old Testament saints are recognized for their faith. But the we are not the new Israel. Uh, Christ is reflected in the Old Testament. And we look back and we see him foreshadowed in the, from the New Testament. But we're in the new covenant now. But we are heirs of the spiritual seed and privileges of Israel. So there is a relationship there. Okay, so bowels of mercy, uh, item D. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to have anything to do with anybody's bowels, okay? But in that culture of the era, bowels were thought of as the place from which mercy and um, the emotional seat of what we think of as heart now. A heart of compassion would probably be a better way to look at it in our culture. It's translated perfectly. Bowels of mercy. But in our culture now, it it's really would be a heart of compassion. So heart of compassion, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, 12B. Those five qualities, right, I'm reading under D, are sometimes called the Pentagon of Virtues. I like that. Uh, and they're in contrast. They're not exactly opposite, but in general contrast to the five evil qualities that were to put off listed in verse 8. And those were, and I listed them for you, anger, wrath, malice, slander, blasphemy, abusive, filthy speech. So I thought, well, let me just do a little chart. So I put evil on one side, and I put the Christ-like things on the other from 12b. Compassion and kindness, gentleness, humility, and meekness and gentleness, and long-suffering and patience on the other side. Now, they're not exactly opposites of these things that are listed in 8, but they sure are a contrast. Anger... Um, when I was in security, they used, to, they used to teach us that when a person got angry, they went up the anger scale. When they got to about seven or so, they were so focused on anger that you could tell them that their daughter, mother, or sister, or brother died, or father, and they wouldn't even hear you because they're so intent and focused on that anger. In fact, I went to a meeting, and a guy got so angry, he got so angry talking about things, he just shook. He just couldn't stand. He was so angry. It, just, it was unbelievable. I know. It was crazy. And he did that, because I thought he was going to have a stroke, because anger is all-consuming. Whereas compassion, you know, anger is self-consuming, and it, it leads to hatred and violence, murder. And compassion leads, and especially compassion, reflects compassion for others, pity, concern, tenderness. It's others' fo others' focus, and it's godlike. Wrath is a is a longer term, and it means uh, extended, just a just a being wrathful all the time, just angry all the time. And I think kind of think of Saul when I think of wrath, but. Um, Saul from the, the king, because we've been reading in Samuel. So it's, I think of it as the way of evil, and kindness and gentleness is a way of righteousness because it's, it reflects the qualities of God. Malice is um, selfishness and willfully being focused on evil, and whereas humility is selfless. And it's concern for Christ and service with Him and service for others. And slander and blasphemy is uh, defaming and debasing. Whereas meekness and gentleness is loving God, focusing on God, serving God and others. And the abusive and filthy speech is venting vile words and hurtful. They're intended to harm. They're vicious. Whereas long-suffering and patience is enduring as Christ endured and 
long-suffering, as it says, waiting on the Lord for resolution, patiently. And those aren't exactly opposite, but there's a lot to think about there, and uh, especially the evil in, as, in contrast to the... Uh, and I wonder if, always wonder if Paul had that in mind. Now, uh, the look at right below that little chart... This word enduo, put on, is enduo, E-N-D-U-O. And Ephesians 6.11, it's used to describe putting on the whole armor of God. And Romans 13, Paul uses this word to say, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Essentially, what he's saying here is remember the question, what are you wearing? Remember that? What are you wearing? Well, essentially, we are to put on and wear the character of Christ. Now, that's the whole lesson. So if you haven't listened to anything else, I want you to be able to remember, this lesson was about wearing the character of Christ. Put on the character of Christ. Wear the character of Christ. So at home, if you haven't been listening, you've been getting a, a snack during a commercial, don't. <laughs> Remember, where the character of Christ is what we're talking about. And these virtues and godly qualities that are listed here, they're demonstrations of love, which is, um, and love, love is over all of these character qualities, and they're all demonstrations of love in 12b. So, I wanted to read a couple of quotes to you. Um, <clears throat> Bruce Hurt says, in other words, don't put off, he's a play on words, you know, it says put off these evil things and put on other things. He says, in other words, don't put off putting on, which I like, do it now. He says, what Paul is doing and explains and applies the figure of the new man who should demonstrate he is a new man by his new garment, what he's wearing. His new garment is not literal clothes, of course, but instead literal conduct, supernatural conduct, that gives evidence that he's a new man in Christ with a new desire and new power. Acceptance of doctrine about Christ must lead to a decisive modification and duty. He's talking about conduct, how we act. And he, I love these two things. He says, creed should be followed by conduct. Christian doctrine and Christian duty go together. And I've heard it expressed, creed controls our conduct and doctrine determines duty. We're going to live what we believe. Now, we say we believe that we're risen with Christ and we're, we're to set our affections on things above. Are we living like that? Are we displaying the character of Christ, which enables us to do that and reflects that? Are we reflecting, reflecting something else? In other words, what are you wearing? Okay. He says, pilots and soldiers and athletes must dress the part, and so too the Christian believer. If the old man has put off and the new man put on, has been put off, and the new man been put on, the moral apparel, the character he's wearing, of the old man must be laid aside and new apparel 
dawned. Clothes do not make the man, but a man is often reflected in his clothes, and Paul would have the new man reflected in the new moral attire after the image of Christ who created him. The idea of putting on is to envelop yourself with the following character traits in verse 12 and so forth, which in their essence reflect in their, their epitome, their ultimate, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So wrap these traits around yourself, become so immersed in Christ, so focused on Him, that you resemble Him in your thoughts, words, deeds, and this is essentially a description of the lifelong process of sanctification. Now some of you are probably thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> or as Cindy would say, ruh-roh. <laughs> We we say that to each other all the time. That means oh, there's there's a there's a thing here. You know, I've got a long way to go in that doing that. And that's certainly what I said when I read that and was refreshed again about this doctrine. So he says, um, Bruce Hurt says, don't worry, God will give us plenty of opportunities to practice conforming to the image of His Son. And there, uh, the Greek lexicon says. Um, they def he defines this, this verb, putting on, to become so possessed with the mind of Christ as in thought, feeling, and action to resemble him and as it were, reproduce the life that Christ lived. And Spurgeon writes that this is what you have got to wear, even on the outside, to put it on. Not to have a latent kindness in your heart, and a degree of humbleness deep down in your soul, if you could get to it. But you're to put it on. It is to be the very clothes you wear. These are the sacred vestments of your daily priesthood. Put them on. You know, it says in the New Testament that we, are, we now are priests. There, uh, we are priests because we have the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ living within us and we can commune directly with God. They could not do that in the Old Testament. We are, we are a, a, a saints. We are priests. We need to put on the vestments that like the Old Testament priests wore to foreshadow Christ and spoke, spoke of heavenly things, we are to put those vestments on, Spurgeon says, and those are the character qualities of Christ so that we might be like Him. What are you wearing? Remember that? Okay. Um, vines... Vine says that how many of you know of Vine's Expository Dictionary of the New Testament? Yeah. Isn't that a great book? Um, do you know there's an app that you could get on your phone and it has taken all of that? It's, it's not it's abbreviated, but it's really great. It says that uh, the, the, this word um, in duo is used in the middle voice and it means because it's in that uh, tense um, grammatically, it means putting on oneself or another to put something on like clothes. 
and it's translated to put on. And, and it, it means that literally, but it also metaphorically, it's spoken of many places in the New Testament. It's spoken of, as I've read some of these already, putting on the armor of light, Romans 13, 12, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Romans 13, 14, putting on Christ, Galatians 3.27, putting on incorruption and immortality, set of the body of believers, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 53 and 54, putting on the new man, Ephesians 4.24, and, uh, and Colossians 3.10, putting on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6.11, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, Ephesians 6.14, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, and other various Christian qualities right here in Colossians 3.12. So put on, Paul uses that word to help us remember that we need to put on those things. Um, and... So this is uh, Jack Arnold. I found this quote I liked. He said in Romans 13, 14, the passage I read that said, uh, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. He says, and it, he, he, he really paraphrases it. And he said, in Romans 13, 14, when it says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. It means that we are to clothe ourselves, put on the virtues, the characteristics and graces of Christ. We're to pattern ourselves after Christ and mold ourselves to Christ as we seek to emulate, imitate Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this sentence. He says, it's a long sentence, so listen carefully. He says, as we love Christ, as we obey Christ, as we interact with Christ, as we occupy ourselves with Christ, as we think like Christ, then we begin to take on the characteristics which belong to Him. We're being conformed to Christ, being made Christ-like, but not perfect in our experience. So I would add we're being conformed to His image. Uh, Paul said, be ye imitators of me. And, and he's really talking about being imitators of Christ. We're to wear, what are we to be wearing? We're to be wearing the character of Christ. So... Um, one more quote. Okay. And so we're going to go into 12b and talk about the bowels of mercy and kindness, humbleness, and of mind and meekness and long-suffering. But I'm not going to try to race through that because there's no need to race through that. And I want to share it in detail because I want us to remember that we are to wear the character of Christ. So what are we to do? Could you repeat that? Wear the character of Christ. I couldn't hear you. Wear the character of Christ. Amen. That's what the Lord wants us to do. To, to, as part of our sanctification, being set apart for His use. Um,
So, Steve, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you.